I want to ask you about performances because we met when we were doing a fundraiser for our union, United Voices of the World, who represent sex workers, cultural workers, precarious workers, and you were amazing. I also think, I think there was something that went wrong. Either the poll was supposed to be on static and it was on spin or the other way around. I can't remember, but you had to kind of wing it. Yeah, I was going to say, oh God, that performance was possibly not my best. That's really kind of you. I feel like I had like 100% energy and enthusiasm, which usually goes very far with performing, even if technically it isn't great. Yeah, I think I had choreographed it on spinning and we couldn't, we couldn't get it on spinning. So I had to sort of wing it. But what I've learned about performing is that when you have an audience that's receptive and you yourself are receptive to that audience, like honestly, you could almost just get up there in like a bin bag and wave your arms. But yeah, I think like performing is not about a perfectly executed performance. It's about like a good vibe and people having a nice time. So I think at the time I felt mortified and I've looked back and I'm like, we had a great time and I was really happy to be there and we were in great company and what a nice thing to be a part of. that I started because I love pole dancers, I love pole dancing, and I love the sound of my own voice yabbering on, I guess, let's be honest. But more importantly, valuable yabbering about all the amazing things that pole dancing can open up in people's lives. And this episode with Kat Lee covers so much of that. Kat is a queer pole dance performer, instructor, and sex worker based in London. I've been to a couple of their classes and they're just so great. I challenge anyone to take a class with Kat and not absolutely fall in love with doing pole. Honestly, you'd have to be like a soulless, unresponsive bollard of dread to not enjoy it. In fact, if you are a bollard of dread, seriously, email me. We will go to a class together. I'll change it up. Anyway, whatever. In this episode, me and Kat talk about the relationship between gender and pole dancing, how that can evolve, and how pole can create space for people of all genders and vibes to feel more at home in themselves. What a treat! I hope you enjoy it as much as I loved making it. If you do enjoy this episode, great news, we're making a new series with a new co-host and we're having a launch party at Signature Brew Haggerston on the 12th of March, 2023. I would love you to come. Follow our socials for more details. Also, if you like the show and you'd like to help us keep making it, you can support the podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash shandoxy. Otherwise, take a pole class. It might change your life. Don't be a bollard. Enjoy yourselves. And here's Kat. Thank you so much for coming on the show. How are you doing today? 
Hello. Yes, I'm very good. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Did you have a sort of period of reflection over the pandemic about what was working before and what wasn't? And yeah, thoughts about what to take forward? I mean, I think I have that process constantly, whether there's a pandemic or not, because I'm an overthinker. For me, the first part of the pandemic was really, really hard because I live quite far out and I don't have a pole at home. So basically my pole career temporarily just stopped overnight. Ouch. And poles yeah, for anyone who knows me, pole is not only my job, it's also my hobby, my creative outlet. So I lost this huge linchpin of my life, which was really, really horrible. But it also did help me reflect on how to have other coping mechanisms and other things in my life that could be important while still like having pole. So I went through this very difficult period. And I don't know if it was even just reflecting, but it was like reevaluating what makes me happy and like how to have more of those things in my life. Now we've come out the other side of everything and I think I've rebalanced things. So I still teach and I perform and I love pole, but I found a way I think to make it a bit more sustainable in my life. That's kind of what I've gone through. And I think like so many people, obviously I've reevaluated, you know, the value of connecting with people and those kind of things, like looking after ourselves. It was very hard to not come out of the pandemic and be like, right, you know, these are the things that matter. So Oh yeah, I feel like I'm a completely different person, hopefully for better or for worse. But so do you feel that less of your identity is completely defined by poll now that the other stuff around it is more robust? Yes, I, that was a that was a surprise to me that that was a conclusion that I came to. I did actually have a little bit of therapy during lockdown, and my therapist helped me with that. She was, we, I was talking about like how much I love Paul, and she was basically like, "So what else do you have?" And at the time, I felt really annoyed by that question. I was like, "How dare Paul <laughs> <laughs> is the most important thing?" But she was right, and she really helped me understand that you shouldn't be defined by any one thing even if it's wonderful and makes you really happy and I think it's made me a better teacher and it's made me just a better person to be around that like pole is still just as important but I can have other things in my life and I don't just have to have everything revolve around one not everything is just hanging on to the spinning pole at the center like flailing sadly I don't think I realized that that was a problem until it was pointed out to me but it was for sure so it's so interesting talking to you as someone who's like a seasoned polar um compared to my experience of still someone who feels like relatively new because for me pole has kind of done some of that work of it's essentially my one stop self-worth repair shop of there were so many things in my life beforehand with just being completely depleted from like comedy writing from everything there were all these different parts of myself that were like screaming for my attention but I was just like no I'm too busy I don't have time in my life for my life kind of thing it's kind of weird because for me it's kind of the opposite of you it's like it's pole that made me have to slow down and give those things dedicated care and attention. But this is not about me, this is the episode about you. So I wanna go back in time to like the patient zero, the eon, the like primordial soup of Kat as a pole dancer. In the very beginning, how did you start pole dancing? Well, it's interesting what you just said, because actually that was kind of where it started for me. Like if I really take it back before I even really knew what pole was. So I always had an interest in like sport and fitness. I've always been like really, I love like being physical and always really sporty. But I've also had this kind of, I don't know if it's healthy or unhealthy, obsession with sex workers. I always loved burlesque. I always, in movies when there were strippers and stuff, I never thought they were like the poor sex workers. I was always like thought they were so glamorous and interesting. And I don't want to like romanticize 
sex workers too much and I am one now but that was definitely where I came from was so I had those two things from very young and then a little bit further forward I was in my kind of early 20s I didn't really know what I was doing with my life does this sound familiar (laughs) (laughs) I was in a relationship with someone that like they weren't a bad person but it wasn't right for me or probably for them and it was getting very toxic and I was in a job that it made me miserable (laughs) and just really I was really trying I look back and I have a lot of compassion for myself because I was really trying and I kept trying different things so I kept trying like different sports or different artistic things and they were really nice but none of it was sticking and I literally took one pole class and I just knew I just somehow knew and I part of that was obviously it did combine those two things so it combined sport and it also combined like this interest in sensuality and it touched on sex work I was also really lucky that I had a really good teacher who is someone that you know, which is Sasha. Yes. Um, who is just one of the most magical human beings I've ever met. Hard And I just knew. Yeah, I, I just knew after one class, I was like, this, this is the thing. And I remember going home to my partner at the time where things were not working out very well and saying like, you know, I found it. Like, this makes me really happy. And they were like, oh, it's just another hobby. You won't stick with it. And I just knew like, you're wrong. And I feel very smug that I was right. But, you know, and it's not necessarily like that for everyone. I don't expect everyone to have that light bulb moment for something to be important. And I've never had that with anything else in my life. Everything else in my life has been so unclear. And yeah, it was just so clear with Paul. I was like, this makes me really happy and I really want to be good at this. And I even knew after a couple of weeks, like, I want to teach this. Like, I want to share the feeling that I have with other people. I'm not saying the journey from there to here was easy, but... No, I knew I had clarity, which Mm. was so wonderful because I've never had that before in my life. How would you describe your own pole dancing style? I think I have two kind of very different styles. Um, And I used to think that I accessed them in different emotional states. And now I think I don't know. But I have two kind of two very different styles. So I have kind of a heel style, like a sexy pole style. It's somewhere between classic stripper and like showgirl. Mm-hmm. So it's not like this very fluid, you know, like you see these like very dynamic fluid. I don't think that's me. Like I'm much more like a bit like, I guess, I think you had Kitty Valor on your podcast. Yes. Not that I'm anywhere near her level, but like this is the kind of sexy poll I resonate with. Like mm-hmm. it's like very fun and it's quite loud and it has like lots of heel clacks. Like it almost has a sort of a sense of like uncontrolled to it, but in a really beautiful way. And then the other style of poll I really like is, I guess, kind of the total opposite. So I really like doing barefoot style poll that's not necessarily sexual, but it might be, I guess, sensual to some people. And it's very controlled and it's about forming good lines. And I think a lot of that is because I'm very strong as a pole dancer. Like I take on muscle really easily. I break skirts regularly with my huge upper body muscle. So I really like pole that's about control because that's kind of what feels good in my body is like holding shape. So those are the two styles that I really like. I'm so curious that you mentioned that you had a like really sporty background before you came into pole. But do you feel that you had to unlearn some things about other kinds of like sports and fitness to get into pole? Or did that all just like transfer really neatly into, as you say, being really strong and being able to deal with those more like gymnastic, I guess, approaches? I think it transferred quite well because I was unconsciously funneling down things that were more and more like pole. Mm. So I started off when I was young and I did a lot of team sports and I found out very quickly I don't like team sports. I like being <laughs> <by myself. laughs> I like only having to deal with me. And I got really into things like martial arts, which actually has a huge crossover with pole. Wow. And that is 
where when I was older, I was more ending up as like things like Aikido and Kung Fu and Tai Chi. And all of these things actually do have massive crossover with pole. They're very, there's a lot of technique there and it's a lot about movement and the body. And I have met a lot of pole dancers who had a background in martial arts because it's, it, there is huge crossover. So this is so I didn't badass. Feel, yeah, I didn't I didn't have any kind of like ballet or gymnastic background, which a lot of pole dancers do. Um, and I feel like I'm still learning about those things as well. I seem to like making my life difficult for myself. <laughs> I really like things like a challenge. And the fact that pole was so hard and so different, I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. It's really hard. Like, I really it made me just like it more. So that's so interesting. Yeah. The kind of um, the weirdness of it is so true i haven't found anything that like gets me in the same way and also i hard relate on the thing of like why have i found another way of making my life difficult speaking of teaching how did you move from being a pole student to being a pole teacher so like i said i knew really quickly i wanted to teach as well and then honestly it was a process of just harassing and sucking up to all my instructors for a number of years i don't know if this is if this is the right approach but I just came to all the classes I was so super positive and just like continuously talked about how much I wanted to teach like no one was in no one was in any doubt in the studio I was constantly talking about it (laughs) basically just harangue people like no like I mean that worked for me and I was lucky I also took a qualification which is not required in the pole industry but I do actually think was very helpful for me and it's also kind of a statement of intent so if Mm. you do want to teach like Taking a qualification shows how serious you are. Um, so if you are able to do that, that's really great. I totally understand why some people can't. I also at that time was working as a personal trainer, which has a little bit of crossover. And it gave me that little step up of like, I already kind of knew how to like run a class. I do think, yeah, I just, I had a good relationship with the studio. I was a student at and then was working out. And I think with pole, like generally, obviously you start as a beginner teacher. The studio wants to know, you can have as many qualifications as you want. They want to know that you are a person who's gonna work with the students and make them feel safe. So I think when you know that person and they have been a student, it's much easier to be like, yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna give, they're gonna try to give them a good experience, you know? Cause mm-hmm. pole, I don't think, I mean, I personally think all fitness should be really compassionate and really inclusive. But like, I actually think pole is quite a big ask for people. Like you're asking generally, it's generally women and they're generally quite young and they're generally having to like strip down to less clothing than they've ever had to before in front of strangers. It's a big ask. So you really need to make Mm. sure the people involved like understand that and are going to really help them and support them. Yeah, I mean, like, it's something that's so easy to forget if you get used to it and you're used to just, like, walking around with, like, a boob flying out, whatever, and you don't (laughs) care. Like, oh, actually, this is quite weird to just, like, put yourself in that environment. Since you've become a teacher, has it changed how you move as a dancer? It's given me less time to kind of do pole for myself for fun, which, okay, initially that sounds negative. It's totally not. It's made me have to think a lot more about, like, technique and safety, And over time, it's made my pole much cleaner and much more balanced and just technically much better, which I'm not saying that that should be the be all and end all of good pole. But when you're doing pole a lot, like I am, being being balanced and making sure your body is healthy is really, really important. And I am getting older. (laughs) I feel it more and more. So I'm really grateful. Teaching has made my pole technically a million times better. My body feels much, much better because I'm always having to think about not only how I would approach a technique or a move, but how my students would approach it. And they might be different to me. So I'm always having to think of everything from every single angle. Mm. So 
it's definitely slowed down. Like when you're a student, you're always like, what's the next move? What's the next move? What's the next move? And it has slowed down that process for me. So perhaps I learn moves at a like a tenth of the pace that I used to. I learn maybe a new move every month or every two months, if that. But everything looks more balanced. Everything flows together better. So I'm I'm really happy with it being that way. Like I'm very proud of where my pole is now, even if I'm not constantly posting a new trick on Instagram all the time. Like mm-hmm. I know that. I know that my understanding of pole is really good and I'm really comfortable with like what I can do. That's so cool. And in terms of how that feeds back to yourself, do you think the process of needing to properly distill things to like, okay, how would I explain this move to someone else? So it's as clear as possible for them. Has that meant that when you're learning something really difficult and new, does that feed back in like, you're more able to learn more complicated things in your own training? I think so. But I also, I don't think there's any replacement for having someone teach you something. Mm. So, and a lot of us as teachers do this because we don't have a lot of time. We go and teach ourselves stuff and we do sort of feel like, oh, okay, so I teach, it's going to be easier easier for me to pick this up and that is true but there is still no replacement for going to someone who is a teacher and I wish I had more that is the thing I wish I had more time for is going to teachers around me and learning from them because that's the way to do it and then you like it's also a nicer experience like you're connecting with someone so like definitely I can go away and take a video from Instagram and generally I can pick pick it up but I would just so much rather like have someone there helping me and you get there a bit faster and then it's also then at some point you're going to be able to teach that because it's coming down that little funnel of like, okay, this is, this is how we approach this move. So I want to ask you about performances because we met when we were doing a fundraiser for our union, United Voices of the World, who represent sex workers, cultural workers, precarious workers, and you were amazing. I also think, I think there was something that went wrong. Either the pole was supposed to be on static and it was on spin or the other way around. I can't remember, but you had to kind of wing it. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, oh, God, that performance was possibly not my best. That's really kind of you. I feel like I had like 100% energy and enthusiasm, which usually goes very far with performing, even if technically it isn't great. Yeah, I think I had choreographed it on spinning and we couldn't we couldn't get it on spinning. So <laughs> I had to sort of wing it. But um, what I've learned about performing is that when you have an audience that's receptive and you yourself are receptive to that audience, like honestly, you could almost just get up there in like a bin bag and wave your arm. <laughs> Which I feel like might be one of your acts. Oh, I mean, if, it's, if it hasn't been before, it is now. I'm going to steal it. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> but yeah, I think like performing is not about a perfectly executed performance. It's about like a good vibe and people having a nice time. So I think at the time I felt mortified and I've looked back and I'm like, it, we had a great time and I was really happy to be there and we were in great company. And what a nice thing to be a part of, like, you know, everyone there. I, ha- I did a similar event on Thursday I did Sexquisite, which is, you know, run by sex workers for sex workers. And I have to say, there are different audiences. And those kind of audiences that are pro-sex worker and predominantly very queer are just, they're really nice. It's like coming home. Mm, I'm so glad it was good. I was so bummed that I was working and couldn't come along to see it. We should probably explain for people who are listening who don't poll that the difference between (laughs) static poll and spinny poll. Actually, Kat, can I let you do the honours? So one of them, a spinning poll, that spins. So it rotates. The internal mechanism moves so that when you're on the poll, like it's more about like kind of holding a shape because the pole is moving so you're not having to create the movement which makes it sound like it's easier it's it's absolutely not absolutely Um, not (laughs) it's just kind of different and then a static pole so that's a pole that doesn't move the mechanism stays in the floor and doesn't move and they definitely lend themselves to different types of pole but for me static pole feels more like when I'm doing heels pole because that like most 
strip clubs do have static poles. I know some of them do have spinning, but for me, static pole feels more like stripper pole. And then spinning pole, you can do these kind of long flowing combos where the pole is moving. Yeah, it's a totally different style. When you're preparing a performance, as you said, I mean, I feel like you kind of nailed it. Anyway, a performance is not about your perfectly drilled plan for the show. It's about what happens in the room and vibing with the audience. But when you're thinking about a choreography or routine for a show, how do you start? Is it different for every performance or do you have like a step-by-step process? I think it's different every time because I've had to learn each from each successive performance what works and doesn't. So it's progressively changed. I used to do it in the most backward way and make life really hard for myself. So I used to take the music first and kind of listen to the music and want to be like creatively inspired, which like sounds really lovely and is really artistic. And if you had like three years to put performance together, that would be great. But it doesn't lend itself to like getting something done. So now I actually do kind of the reverse of that. I like take tricks that I'm really happy with and then try to make them work with the music, which, okay, maybe that's like a less creative way to do it. It's more formulaic. But the the thing is, is at the end of the day, even if the performance isn't going to be perfect, you still want it to be safe because very much with pole you're going to be performing in an environment that's probably very different to where you practice you're Mm. probably on like a stage pole which is not bounded to the ceiling and it has a little wobble you don't know how hot it's going to be you don't know if it's going to have really high air con that makes it freezing so you want to make sure that like you these are the tricks and the moves that you're really really comfortable with and then that gives you the flexibility to like if something does go wrong like you can't get the pole to be on the right way you want it then you can make stuff up in between because you've got these things you can come back to with confidence. And that's how I like to perform now. I have a really rigid structure, but I have that there to give me the confidence to not adhere to it. As long as I'm hitting the points in the song where there's like a particular trick that's going to look really good with that bit of the music, then maybe in between I'll kind of just make it up and it, and it won't read as me not knowing what I'm doing because I know where I'm moving to. So that's how I like to do it now. That's so interesting. So there are like beats that you're hitting with the material that you're confident with, but then there's room for maneuver between to respond to the audience as well. Like if they're going for something to give them more of that or change your mind about something. It definitely works better, actually, because I think what we're calling is freestyling, making it up um, in the moment actually looks better often than a rigid performance because it is more emotional. It is like you say, in touch with the audience. So having both is is really nice because then you get your like, you know, your big tricks that people will go, oh my God. And then you also get the kind of the connection with the audience. That's really important. Like word for word, you're describing it in the way that a stand-up makes their routine in the sense of having your really like tried and tested material that you're like, yeah, cool. This makes me safe. And I know that I can fill a 10, but also going, it's going to be a completely different show based on just who's in the room. And yeah, those bits are always the funniest, like what happens spontaneously because you've read the room properly. That's so, so cool. I think Paul and comedy are weirdly similar in some ways. I was saying to someone on Thursday, like, yeah, okay, with Paul, you get up and you're naked, but with comedy, you're emotionally naked. It's even more naked. It's oh, yeah. So naked performance. <laughs> you're showing people nudes of your soul and they hate it. I think there's so much. There's also, in terms of workers' rights, the kind of working conditions that strippers have in terms of like pay to play essentially being shafted in the interests of like the landlords and the venue owners it's so similar to gigging comics and we definitely need to join forces to like address that it's why i'm not a stripper it's literally the only reason i don't strip on a regular basis it's nothing to do with the stigma or the culture it is to do with how they are how strippers are paid if strippers were paid better i would be stripping every night of the week because it would be really fun and i'd get to be with other strippers and I, i think it would be great 
but not with how we're we're paid in this yeah, country. Yeah, and it's so important to disrupt that idea of like stripping is a quick fix, like easy money. It's having to jump through so many hoops laid down by other people. I wanted to ask you about the idea of femme because you teach inclusive classes that accommodate all gender presentations. People at all different levels. Yay for queer friendly poll spaces. We need more of them. Do you think that pole is an inherently quite feminine art form? I think when I started pole, I was drawn to it because I perceived it as being inherently feminine or femme. And obviously a lot of that is to do with the fact that pole um, comes from stripping, which is mainly like AFAB people. So I was, I, I, I was really drawn to pole because I think I perceived it as being inherently femme or feminine. There is something wonderful about the fact that most poll classes are women or AFAB people because that is obviously in a patriarchy, like that's a nice, safe space. I think I feel uncomfortable saying anything is inherently feminine or masculine or whatever at this point. I feel like that's maybe something we want to be moving past in some ways. And I don't want to like discredit or like, you know, anyone whose experience is rooted in that. I still think that's really wonderful. But I think... Yeah, I think it's it's definitely changed for me. And that has a little bit to do with kind of how I perceive my own gender. I a lot of the poll I do, obviously, like I might be wearing heels. I might be like dancing in a way that's quite strippery and it might be perceived as something as very feminine feminine. But for me, it's all just pole. It's all just pole and it's all just me. And to some extent, some of that stuff feels like performative, not in a negative way. Like I think I think gender is quite performative often, like the way society holds it obviously is performative and it doesn't feel to me like I'm putting on like a, a femme or a feminine quality I'm just I'm just doing pole and it's me and I'm enjoying it and I think that's now how I perceive pole and that's how I feel when I'm there but like it definitely started from a place of like this is a thing for women and this is feminine and like we're all women together and it's just I feel like that was positive but now I've moved into something even more positive which is this can be anything this can be anything for anyone as long as they're like respecting the space and being kind to each other because we have lovely straight men doing poll we have lovely gay men doing poll we have trans men doing poll and we have non-binary people and we have you know all of this is valid and it doesn't have to be rooted in being femme as long as i think we go back where it comes from all of this is positive and valid what an amazing answer and obviously something that it sounds like you've given that a lot of thought not just as a poll dancer but someone as someone who's interrogating their own gender as part of that process. Do you feel that Paul has created that space for you to explore that? I'm still in a place of not quite knowing what I am. I'm sort of like, I think on the cusp of, am I non-binary, but a femme end of non-binary? That's kind of where my head is, but not sure. I think Paul helped reveal that because I was always kind of like, I guess you call like a tomboy growing up. I mean, I think this is like an outdated term now, but I feel like when I was growing up, I obviously I was assigned female at birth, but like I was fluid in some ways. And then I was, I, when I discovered Paul, I was like, oh, this is cool. Like I can access this really feminine part of myself that I've never really accessed before. I can be like a real woman. That is kind of what it feels like. It almost feels like putting on drag. Like I think knowing drag performers helped me understand it. I was like, actually, pole sometimes feels feels like drag to me. Like when I put on the heels and the makeup and everything, like it's super cool. Like, don't get me wrong. And sometimes causes like a little bit of gender dysphoria in me, but not actually in a super negative way. But it's very just like, this is not actually me. This is just like stuff I'm putting on myself. And it's fun. And like, 
you know, we can have a good party with this, but it's not representative of who I am. So I think it helped reveal that because it's almost like the more I was trying to like access this feminine thing, I was like, oh, this is all just, you know, it's all just me. And this is all just, this is all just fluid. And, you know, I don't need to feel super attached to any of this. And I've also realized recently, like, even taking it back to strippers and saying that that's like inherently feminine that's actually not true because a lot of strippers obviously they're presenting a heteronormative fantasy a lot of strippers and sex workers are actually very queer and they recognize that they recognize that the thing that they're providing just like i'm saying like they're what they're providing they're doing it with authenticity but it's not necessarily their authentic self like they are creating a persona or an experience for someone but they themselves are you know maybe very queer so you know it's always been there it's always been there do you think pole creates a space where people can experiment with gender in that way okay i got some feelings on this one so (laughs) i think pole should create a space for that i think that is wonderful and i think there's lots of people doing great work to to do that predominantly we're talking about studios here because like studios tend to be the space where these things happen there are some really wonderful studios that i see very genuinely creating positive spaces i do also see some level of virtue signaling that makes me a little bit sad i really want to say this in a way that doesn't sound negative but gets my point across i don't think that having cis gay men in studios makes them inclusive enough I think cis gay men are wonderful and there are some amazing cis gay men performers who are like some of my favorite pole dancers, but this is not where that conversation ends. This is not where the work ends. And until we are inclusive of everyone, and it's not even just about being queer, but like I think a big one that actually weirdly overlaps with queerness, queerness is different body types. And I think until we are actively making these spaces accessible for all these people and listening to them and not just saying, yeah, we're inclusive, then this can't happen because we should be able to do these things and have these conversations and make it really accessible for everyone. And it's not just good enough to have one person representing everyone. It has to be a really constant multifaceted conversation. I do think there are really important people out there doing really great work, making great spaces. And I'm really so grateful for those people. And we just, you know, we just need to amplify their voices and have more of it yeah and i guess as you said with virtue signaling it's too easy to just go yep tick the box and it's done i want to ask it to you because you've mentioned it before there's a lot of conversation happening about neurodiversity at the moment it just feels like partly because it seems like in the pandemic so many people had the time to go out and get a diagnosis that maybe they didn't realize they needed do you think that poll has improved in terms of accommodating neurodiverse students and dancers as well? Mm. Again, I think there are some studios that are aware of this, but I don't think there are any like nasty studios that don't care about people. I think it's just that sometimes it's not on their radar and they're busy with other things. I think this one is harder in some ways because it's less visible. This is a less visible thing. And it's also different from person to person. And there's obviously many different types of neurodivergence. I don't necessarily feel like there have been huge strides with this. Even for myself, like I don't always know how to cater to everyone. And I'm neurodivergent myself. I think really trying to listen to people and be really kind is the best way we can do this. I think that there is a lot of willingness. But as you say, you know also people who run poll studios also have kids to feed etc and yeah stop having kids that will solve that one (laughs) that's the that's the message from this podcast stop having kids it was a very short podcast they said stop having kids then it just kind of went dead but great chat great chat what poll or performance projects coming up are you most excited about so i'm part of a well we're called a burlesque group but we're just kind of a bunch of performers it's called vixen's burlesque and we yeah we did a show last month or maybe it's even longer ago than that now that was a 90s alternative music themed night and we're kind of we're basically in 
rumblings thinking what our next thing is going to be. So I can't give you like specific details. We might do our 90s show again. So everyone did a different 90s theme act. Mine, one of mine was Nine Inch Nails and the other one was Garbage. We are, we're thinking maybe we might do an 80s themed one, which would be really fun because I also really love 80s music. We might be doing something at Christmas. Like that project is ongoing. We're hoping to just like stick around and do stuff together. So uh, watch this space for that. Um, apart from that, like I'm just like teaching as usual, you know, anyone who is London based, it would be lovely to have you in my classes, but also just go to poll classes. Like don't have to be mine. Like just keep keep doing things and also all performers poll or not please let's just all keep doing stuff as well we've had a year and a half of just nonsense like i really just want more performing more live stuff please invite me to your live stuff everyone sorry i'm just going to use this podcast as an opportunity to say please if you're doing something cool invite me because i want to come and be inspired so Kat, this has been such an amazing chat. Thank you so, so much for coming on the show. Where can people find you online to come take a class with you or see you in a performance? So probably the best place is Instagram, which is, you know, simultaneously a wonderful and horrible place. (laughs) My Instagram is the underscore poll underscore cat. The underscores are important because there is another the poll cat and they're also lovely. Go follow them. It'll be quite obvious which one is mine because it will look like me, be a redhead. If you particularly want to have a class of me, just get in contact with me and we'll work it out. But again, like, you know, any any classes that you want to go to, go. I think everyone should try everything. So come to mine, come to other people's. Go to Sasha's classes. People, go to Sasha Diamond's classes. She's the reason this happened. You heard them. Find them on Instagram. Go take a class with Kat and also take a class with everybody, people you vibe with. But Kat especially, because Kat is amazing. Hold the Other One was created by me, Shandoxy. This episode was edit produced by Magenta Bridges with original music by Amelia Baylor. If you enjoyed the podcast and would like to help us keep making it, you can support us on Patreon on patreon.com slash Shandoxy. Thank you. We love and appreciate all of you keeping the sexy stick party moving. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Uh, enjoy your lives. Keep an eye out for news about series two and see you next time. Pop, pop, pop.